Brianna. Thank you, sweetheart. Appreciate that. Well, I'd like you to take your Bibles this morning and find, if you will, the book of First John. The book of First John this morning in your Bible. Find that place, if you will. Morning, Tone. How you doing today? Yesterday was AJ's birthday. How old is he now? 20. Well, I, we're getting old. <laughs> he was like five years old when he started coming to church. Well, praise the Lord. We are in 1 John, and I trust that uh, you're learning something and being encouraged by what we're seeing here in Scripture. Uh, the Apostle John, as he is writing this book, and again, I'm repeating myself, and repetition is your best teacher. John is writing this book to combat false theology. He has hammered home relentlessly the, throughout this epistle the, to have the correct view of who Jesus Christ is. Because you know, if we're going to have salvation, we have to have the right understanding of the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the Apostle's theme uh, from the very beginning of this, this book. Now, our scripture this morning is found in chapter number 5 and verse number 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Can I just say something to you right now? If your Bible does not have verse number 7 in it, you have a bad Bible. Verse number 8. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Father, bless the time, bless the hour now. We love you, we thank you for what's been done today, the people that are here, those watching through the internet. Thank you for little Valentina, Lord, and the safe delivery and, and taking care of Alicia and, and for Ronald being a blessing there and all that's going on in that home. Now, bless the children here as they learn next door and downstairs and, and uh, help them to learn about Jesus and to fall in love with him and to grow up to serve him and not to fall in love with this world and to, to avoid sin and all the shame it brings. Help us today as adults and teenagers to have our hearts fixated on the truth of the scriptures, to put off the world for just a few moments while we hear what heaven has to say. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As John declares here in this gospel, he's declaring the person of Jesus Christ and, and how we can have salvation. My friend, when you go from place to place, religion to religion, group to group, salvation varies from those individuals and what they're teaching. But the Bible is very clear that we can know we have salvation. Salvation is a no-so thing. It's not, I hope I have it. I, I'm going to have it someday, but I'm not sure. If that's the group you belong in, you're in the wrong group. Because the Bible says that we have the record that he that hath the Son has life. Amen. 
You have eternal life when you have Jesus Christ. There is not a, I hope I have it. If you have him, you have life. It's a simple thing. But uh, Gnosticism, which is the doctrine John is combating here, is still very much alive and well. And it, distorts, and, it, and it distorts who Christ is and gives us a false Christ. As he starts off his gospel, we go to chapter number 1. In this, he, he gives us clearly, the, again, the, this, this emphasis on who Christ is. In verse 1 of chapter 1, this which, we, this which was from the beginning, which we have heard, and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands, have handled the word of life. That's speaking of Jesus. Now John was with him. But this life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show it unto you that eternal life which... The, was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, and ye also may have fellowship with us. By the way, that's an invitation. You can have fellowship with us. It's not for a select group. Not for a different culture. It's for everybody. Uh, have you been picked? No, this is your picking right here. You can, you, come on over. <laughs> Jump in. The water's fine. You're welcome to come on in. Ho, oh, everyone that thirstest may come and take freely the water of life. <laughs> I don't know. You just have to overlook a lot of scripture. And may have the fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy might be full. So again, John is letting us know here that uh, we have to see who Christ is. And John is letting us know that Jesus is not some mystical being. He is not the Gnostic Christ who manifested Himself to uh, and who is not God, but he, he is God. That he is come to give us eternal life, not a spiritual understanding or take us to a higher plane of some uh, mental thinking. No, it's, he came, he was manifested to do what? To take away our sin. That's his purpose in coming. My friend, if you go across the street, Jesus paid just a partial it's a partial payment. He didn't pay for all of it. That's why you have to keep going. And that's why when your loved ones die, you're not sure if they're in heaven or not. They, uh, they, they, vary. they keep changing, but they, that's what purgatory is all about. You're, you're in purgatory burning to pay for sin. And they, you have those candles, and every time you light a candle, which you've paid for, by the way, you have to pay for to light those candles. I remember we were on a class trip and in grammar school, and we went, went to St. Patrick's Cathedral. I wasn't Catholic. All I saw was candles. I, me and my friends started popping open these candles, lighting all of them, not realizing that they're representing souls in purgatory. And some priest was very nice and kind to us as he screamed and yelled at us and bl blew out the candle. We didn't know what we were doing. We are just lighting candles. Yeah! And, and, but you're supposed to pay money. Put money in a box, and then that means they're going to pray for your loved one to get out of purgatory. To, and, and you never know when they get out of there, by the way. They just keep burning and burning until they paid off their sin. My friend, Jesus is my sin bearer. Jesus died and paid for my sin. I don't bear my sin anymore. It's been, the debt's been paid. It's a lie. And then you, uh, you go there and then you have to pay for a mass card. And, and you go to a funeral and you, you see those cards on there with the little clippy hands and you stick your little mass card on there. That means you're, you paid the church money so that they can pray to get your loved ones out of a place that doesn't exist to begin with. It's all a lie. There at my uncle's funeral, and the priest was up there. By the way, my cousin, he goes, Matt, I, I didn't know you were coming. If you, I knew you were coming, I would have asked you to do the funeral. He goes, 
Father wants a buck here. Charge two. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Father wants a buck. Charged us two hundred dollars. I said I wouldn't charge you anything. It would have been a privilege just to, to speak for my uncle. And uh, but Father wants a buck. Charged two hundred dollars. Now listening to Father wants a buck, and uh, he was one minute saying we know that our brother uh, Steve is in heaven because of the sacrament of baptism. Then later on in the service he said pray for our brother Steve as he is in purgatory. Well, which where is he? One minute he told me he's in heaven. The next minute he told me he's burning in purgatory. Dude! And everybody's like, yeah. It's like, you zombies. Is that, am I the only one paying attention to what this, the guy in the dress is saying? Listen up. We see in chapter number 2, in verse number 22, who was a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is an antichrist that denieth the Father, and the Son. So again, he's asking, who's a liar? It's a rhetorical question. It's anybody who denies the person of Jesus Christ. Is Jesus the Christ? Or is he a God? You go to Mormonism. I was driving down the street. I saw two girls the other day. Those are two Mormon girls. You can, just, you can spot them a mile away. They, their Christ, their Jesus, is, is not the Christ of the Bible. According to Mormonism... God the Father was once a, a man who had parents, and he became so good, he became God. And then as God, he has multiple thousands of wives, and, and with those wives, one of them he had Jesus, and another one he had Satan. So in Mormonism, Jesus and Satan are brothers. And God was thinking about a plan, how he could save planet Earth. Jesus came up with a plan, Satan came up with a plan, and, and God rejected Lucifer's plan and accepted Jesus. And Lucifer got so mad, he became the devil, and... And it's, that's not the Christ. That's, that's garbage. That's a lie. Same thing with the Jehovah Witnesses. Again, they have a Christ, a created God. God the Father created Jesus. He is not eternal God. So John is stressing these things to us. He says in chapter 3 and verse number 23, and this is, his commandment that we should believe on, his, on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. Again, the commandments we see here and, and what he wants us to know is that who we're we believing upon and when we believe upon him, we have eternal life. Now in chapter number 4 and verses 1 and 2, he, he warns us against false teachers. We spend time on this. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby you know ye the Spirit of God. Everyone's, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Now again, we've spent a lot of time on that. But again, it's having the right person. And we have to be careful. He says, try the spirits. Just because somebody walks up to you and says, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, doesn't mean you automatically say, yay, they believe in Jesus. Which Jesus do you believe in? Who is your Christ? Who are you putting faith in? Now you have the Catholic Jesus, who didn't pay for all your sins, and who has a queen that he answers to, who is co-redemptress. It's not the same Jesus. You have the Mormons who have their Jesus, which is not our Jesus. You have the Jehovah Witnesses who have their Jesus, so what Jesus are we talking about? We see celebrities on TV. Oh, so they're Christians. Well, no, they're not. 
No, they're not. A lot of them are not. I never really watched the program, and I really got nothing against them. You know, that, that Chip and Joanna, they got that, that Gaines down there. You, unless you ever go to Texas, you ever go down to Fort Worth, you go down there and you can pay 20 bucks for a cupcake. It's really good. And they got their nice little thing down there, and it's, you know, you walk around there and buy, spend $30 for a, you know, a flower. It's, 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 you know, it's wonderful. And you can see the place. But, uh, you know, they, oh, they're Christians. They're Christians. Well, I studied that a little bit. They got some weird things going on. And, you know, God talks to her directly. And God's told her some very strange things. And that's not Bible. And so do they have our Jesus? Just because somebody says they believe in Jesus, my friend, you are to test them. Okay, let's back up. What Jesus do you have? What Jesus are you believing in? Who exactly do you believe that Jesus Christ is? And let's start going from there, because if it's not the Jesus that we see here in the Scriptures, as the Bible declares him to be, then we got a problem. You can go into the other crazy cults, the, the, you know, those who declare themselves to be Jesus. You go from the Moonies and then from uh, that nut job in Texas, uh, David Koresh, and then there's the other guy out in California who took everybody to South America and killed them all. They all claim to have some messianic complex where they're doing the work of Christ. That's... Why do people believe that? Because they got away from the book. And this, this, this is going to lead into our next message. Because, my friend, you, 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 cannot, you cannot get away from this book. This is all you have. And one drifting away, one taking away, one uh, you're, you're letting loose from your moorings. You're, you're walking away from the firm foundation. Satan wants you away from this book. This book is the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God preserved forever for us. We, and we know that to be true. We believe it. And so we hold on to it and don't let go of it. Because the minute we let go of any of it, we're in danger. I remember Satan's first thing he ever did was to cause doubt upon the Word of God. And he's still doing that very well. You know, yeah, I don't know about that verse. I don't know about it. So you doubt God. You believe in Satan. You believe men. You believe the evening news. But you don't believe God, is what you're telling me. Now, in verses 9 and 10 of, the, of chapter 4, he says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Again, Jesus Christ paying for our sin. Jesus dying on Calvary's cross to do what we could not do and pay all our sin debt. He notes again in, in, in chapter number 5, he's reminding his readers again of in verse number 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. We notice in verse number 13, uh, uh, he says, these things have I written unto you. Again, he's writing to you. You have to believe the written word. Don't doubt the written word of God. I've written unto you that you might believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. We can know. We know these things. Oh, you can't know if you're going to heaven. Again, you go across the street. You ask the priest himself. Do you know you have eternal life? And they, well, I hope so. What a sad thing for a leader, a 
of a congregation to tell everybody, listen, we're all going to heaven, but I, I don't know if I'm going. I hope I'm getting there. When the scripture clearly teaches us, we can know. John finishes out his letter in verse number 20. And he says, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given to us understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even his Son, Jesus Christ. This is true God, eternal life. So again, we see the emphasis here. That Jesus Christ is the focal point of redemption in history. If Mary could save you, and if Mary has any part in redemption, then why does John never mention her? And why does Peter never mention her? And why does Paul never mention her? And why is Mary not found after the first chapter of the book of Acts if she is co-redemptress, queen of heaven, and part of your salvation? Because she's not. Jesus Christ is the focal point. He's the focal point of history, my friend. God told man that he would redeem him from the awful curse of sin in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15. And all throughout our Old Testament, God gives promise after promise after promise that he's sending a redeemer. A redeemer's coming. A savior's coming. And my friend, Jesus Christ is finally born. And we see in John's gospel, chapter number 1, we see that he is the, the Savior is from eternity. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And by the way, if you pay attention to your Bible, that word begotten is found a lot in your Bible because it's a very important word. It means It's stressing the fact that the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, this is, an, this is a special birth. That's why, again, your Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth Him should not perish in everlasting life. If you have your NIV Bible, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His, His only Son. Well, that's not true. It's only begotten Son. It's a word missing. My friend, it's different. Something's different. They both can't be accurate because they're both different. Jesus Christ... Life did not begin when he was born in Bethlehem. He existed from all eternity. So when we come through our New Testament, we see Jesus Christ coming existence into this world in flesh. But he already has existed. And this is found all throughout John's gospel. He declares this. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, again, is the glorious and central truth of redemption history and it's the foundation upon which Christianity rises or fall and as the early church is being inundated with false theology and false teachings and false Christ John is stressing that the importance of having the right Christ and, and, and believing the Word of God and knowing who Jesus Christ is lest we be caught up and carried away in, in, in false teachings Gnosticism taught that Christ's spirit descended upon the man Jesus at his baptism, making him the anointed one of God. Again, the denial of the Trinity. Now, again, we have one God. I was listening to a Jewish rabbi one time, and he was asked why Jesus is not the Messiah. And he says, well, Christianity, they have three gods. In Judaism, we have one God. Again, he fails to understand Christianity because he was taught that. I'm not 
faulting the man. He was just taught something. He's repeating it like so many do. Even in Christian circles, people say things like, where would you get that from? That's just been repeated so long it becomes part of our culture, but it's not Bible. We have one God. God's one. Behold, the Lord our God is one. But God is manifest, and we see it in three persons, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit of God. You say, I can't understand that. Well, you, no, you can't because it's God. <laughs> Listen, uh, there's a lot of things I don't understand, yet I just go along with life. Amen? But God is God. The many you can understand. And what men try to do is they take God up here and try to bring him down so we can understand him. No, God's up here. And the Bible says his ways are way past finding out and they're way above us. In high school, I took introduction to geometry. The first day, I realized I made a mistake picking this class. Amen. This, this, was, this was a wrong decision. I should have went with the art class. Amen. But me trying to elevate myself and trying to do myself better, I'll take intro to geometry. I didn't even get through intro. I'm just thankful Sean was next to me so I can help him all that year. And then I said, you know, let me take intro to algebra. I, you know, I want to be smarter. And like, first day, it's like, here we go again. What's wrong with you, Swakowski? And so I took, and by the way, that's just not how I'm wired. Now, some of you are like, yeah. And it's like in school, and the teacher said, okay, take out your math books. And I'm like, ah. And there's always that one kid, yeah. He's like, what's up with him? <laughs> so there's things I don't understand. And God, I don't understand God, but God has revealed himself, and God says, this is who I am. I can't figure that out. That's not up for you to understand. And by the way, we use all these illustrations, by the way. Well, God, you know, try to explain the Trinity. There's no way to, there's no good human earthly illustration to understand one God in three persons. There's none. You just say, well, the Bible says it to be so, and I have to go with that. But if you can't understand it, I don't understand electricity, but I know it hurts if I stick my finger in a socket. All right? And trust me, I've done it twice in my life, thanks to my brothers. Now, is he, is he in Scripture here, when we deny the Christ substitutionary death, the fact that Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross to do for us what we cannot do, if we deny that, in essence, it's, it's satanic. It's what it is. It's demonic. We have to believe that Jesus Christ's death on the cross is sufficient that that's what God, it says, is necessary for our sins to be paid for. The Bible calls Jesus Christ what? Jesus Christ the righteous. And that he is the propitiation for our sins. And if Jesus Christ did not possess a divine nature on Calvary's cross, then Jesus Christ could not conquer sin and death for anybody. But the glorious truth is that Jesus Christ is divine, and he was able to conquer sin and death for us and do for me what I could not do. And so my faith rests upon him. I believe what Jesus did for me. The Bible says that he who knew no sin, what became sin for us. So the Holy One of God bears my sins while he dies on Calvary's cross. In our verse here in chapter number 5, in verse number 6, it's a very important verse in your Bible. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. 
and it is the Spirit that bears witness because the Spirit is truth. The mission of Jesus Christ. Now, John is going to declare, again, the mission of Christ. Now, this may seem a, a, a strange way to state the mission, to say that Christ came by water and by blood. What does that exactly mean, that he came by water and by blood? We know that Jesus, we have the story of his birth in Bethlehem. And then we have the story of him at 12 years of age uh, in the temple. But after that, we don't know anything about our Savior, except that he was working in Joseph's carpenter's shop. And at 30 years of age, his ministry begins. 30 years of age, Jesus Christ goes down to the Jordan River. John has been preaching for, for months now that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And finally, Jesus shows up. And what happened? What is the first thing that Jesus does in his beginning of his ministry, his public ministry? He gets baptized. And it's very important to understand the baptism of Jesus Christ. We get baptized to, to, as a picture of our, our standing with Christ, buried and, and risen again. We understand he paid for us. Well, Jesus Christ didn't need to have his sins paid for. The purpose of Christ and his baptism was for a public identification, letting us know who he is. This is his reveal, so to speak, letting everybody know who he is. And, and the Bible talks about his baptism in, 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 in all four Gospels. So it's important that when we see John baptizing the Lord Jesus Christ in, in that in that body of water in Jordan. And you go to Jordan today, by the way, and people get baptized. People who have been baptized already get rebaptized in the Jordan where they say this is where Jesus got baptized. And it may very well be that spot. And we all have this, I always have this picture in my mind of what it looks like. And then when you see the actual, what it looks like, it's like, that's, I pictured it much better looking. I, you know, I pictured something like you know, palm trees and, you know, and like, oh, and, it's, and you're like, that's it. Then you understand King Naaman when he said, I don't want to get baptized in the Jordan, ew. we got better rivers in our country. You know, it's like, we're going to go down to the Passaic and get baptized, amen? Anybody signing up next week? We can have baptism down behind the Passaic. We'll, afterwards, we'll go into Burger King and, and uh, you know, have a good time. I ain't going that river. I may dunk you under and grab one cat coming by and, and, and pull the wrong one up, amen? <laughs> That's how that river works. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's not, that's not, 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 not right. <laughs> Sometimes these things come in my head, and, and I should not let them come out. As my wife once says, there's something wrong with you. So you married me. Now, <laughs> thank you. Now, in the baptism of Jesus Christ, Several things happen. Who speaks from heaven? The Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Who comes down upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the, but the Holy Spirit of God? We see the Trinity. We see the Father, the Word, and the Spirit of God. All three, they're present. Again, I talked to a man one time who said Jesus was not, there's no Trinity, there's just Jesus. And I said, well... How do you explain the baptism of Jesus? And this is, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny, but this was his answer, okay? This is what his on. He says, that was, I said, the Father spoke from heaven. He said, no, that was Jesus basically using ventriloquism. And that's when you realize you can't have a conversation with people. You just walk away and just like, I'm sorry, because this is where, where we, you're not going to understand, and you're not wanting to debate. The Father, the Word, 
and the Spirit have manifested him. So when he talks about how he came by water, it's speaking of his baptism, his introduction. When it talks about how he came by blood, in that verse number 6, it's speaking by his death on Calvary's cross and how his blood was shed for us there and how Jesus Christ paid for our sins with his blood. Both water, his baptism, and blood, his death, he declared himself to be the Son of God because, again, both of these events are extremely important. And maybe we don't give the baptism of Jesus Christ enough attention as it deserves, but John declares it to be very important to us. They're very important to understand exactly who Jesus Christ is. Now, when he says he came by water and blood, we cannot have salvation without the blood of Jesus Christ. There are those who t want to teach us that in order for us to be saved, we have to have, be baptized, but that's not what the Scripture is teaching here. It's simply teaching that Jesus Christ gave his, his testimony of who he is and his mission and what he did. It's, a, it's to bear witness. So again, at his baptism, two things happened. The Spirit of God came upon him in a dove. And again, John the Baptist, this forerunner, said, you know, I have needs to be baptized by you. But Jesus would not accept that. We have the voice of God, and again, all throughout Matthew's gospel declares this. Mark says, and there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. And Luke testifies that God's voice called Jesus Christ his Son. So again, this voice that speaks from heaven is saying that this is Jesus the Christ. This is my Son. It's declaring who he is. It's letting us know who this person is. It's a letting the world know who is now in that body of water. Not pointing to John, but it's pointing to Christ and giving him the title of who he is. Now, he bore our sins upon the cross. He took our judgment. He suffered our punishment for us. And that's why the cross is important. The cross is part of the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And since Jesus Christ took our sins and died for them, sin is removed from us. Now, again, there, there are people who believe you can lose your salvation. There's various ways in which people think you can lose your salvation. And, and, and dealing with people like this, it's... And, and one of the common ones is, is that, well, you can just simply stop believing. And if you stop believing and deny, then you lose your salvation. My friend, you don't have a full understanding of salvation. You see, when you get saved, you've got a new nature. There's somebody dwelling within you now. And what we have to come to realize is if a person's like that and they walk away, what we have trouble understanding is that they didn't lose their salvation. In all likelihood, they just never had salvation. It was all up here. Many of you know Brother Andrew Baird Carr. He was here in our church for many, for many years. He was here on business with, from Canada. And, uh, and he was led to Christ while he was in, Bible, in college, well, Bible college, college. A man sat down and for an hour and a half thoroughly explained the gospel to Andrew, and Andrew believed upon Jesus Christ and was saved. Years later, Andrew met that soul winner, talked to him, and, and that soul winner said, I, I need to apologize to you. I told you some things years ago that I no longer believe. I, I don't believe any of that nonsense. And Andrew said, well, I'm saved. I believe on Jesus Christ. And, and, and so the, the quandary is, well, was that man saved? Or did he lose his salvation? Or maybe he just knew how to explain facts. And by the way, in the Bible, 
God uses all kinds of people. There was a wicked prophet in the Old Testament by the name of Balaam. And a notorious for hire preacher. I'll say whatever you want me to say as long as you pay me. And God spoke through Balaam and made a prophecy about Jesus, the coming Jesus Christ through that false prophet. And God even allowed the donkey to speak. I mean, God can use anything. So the, the, the gospel can come out of a lost person's mouth and them not even fully understand all that they're saying if God wants the message conveyed. We put God in this little box that God needs a sold out, knows every verse of Scripture, soul winner, to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. The worst soul winner and the most backslidden person in the Bible is Jonah, who wanted a city to go to hell, and in spite of him, God worked miraculous things. <laughs> I knew you'd save him. I, I, I just knew you'd have mercy. I just knew you, and, and I don't want them people to know you. I want them all to die. And here you go, and look what you do. You have mercy on them. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to do. <laughs> I keep begging God to save people and, and, and work, and, 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 and we just need to be more like Jonah. No, we don't. I just, that's, just, that's just humor, amen? But God used Jonah, that no good preacher. And he was a preacher, but he was a sorry one, to see a city turn to God. So God can use anybody. So if God uses that soul winner who's not saved to lead Andrew to Christ, well, do we have the possession to begin with? Do we have the possession? Well, suppose I go out and kill the neighborhood. You see, when you're saved, you don't want to kill the neighborhood. That's the, you're saved now. You've got a new nature in Christ. And if you have desires to kill the neighborhood, then maybe you've got to wonder, do I really have this nature? Did I really get it? You made a profession, but you never got the possession. Because it's, it's all about here, my friend. Well, let me, it's up here. And somebody said we need a, an 18-inch conversion to go from here down to here to, to get the job done. It's all up, I know all the facts. I know the Bible verses. But have you believed upon it? Again, as a 10-year-old boy, I explained the gospel. And I, and I went out in my backyard and I bowed my head with all my heart and believed, Jesus, please save me. And Jesus, save me. I didn't understand the virgin birth, the deity of Christ, and, and, and justification by grace through faith. I just knew that I was lost and Jesus wanted to save me. So I cried out to Jesus and asked him to save me. And all that other stuff came later. So when we think about the blood of Christ and, and our, who our Savior is, we, John, again, is stressing this witness we have of who Christ is. This is the Christ. This is why he's here. We have his introduction. Again, if you have Gnosticism, you don't have a Holy Spirit. The Jehovah Witnesses believe that the Spirit of, Holy Spirit of God is an active force. That's what they call it. God's active force. Well, that's Star Wars. But it's not Bible. The Holy Spirit of God is a person. He's declared to be a person. He speaks. He grieves. He, he, he is quenched. He, he moves. He works. He's not just a wind. He's a person, and he moves upon us. He's our comforter. He's our teacher and our guide into all truth, Scripture says. So Christ was not anointed with this Christ spirit. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost.
the spirit of truth. Now, only the Son of God can do this. Only the Son of God could die for man's sin. And again, that's the purpose. Jesus Christ came to die for your sins. Now, Miss Helen's here. She and, and Miss Valerie and Kathy, they got the next door. They got an apartment house, four family, and in there, the Mormons rent the first floor. They've rented that for years. And uh, in Mormonism, you have to work to to get this eternal life and get your own spirit kingdom one day. You have to earn it. You have to do your two-year, when you graduate high school, you have to do two years of mission work somewhere, wherever the church sends you. And, and that's helping you to gain your access to have your own spirit realm one day, where as a man you can have thousands of wives and, and, have, and have thousands of children. The guy who invented that is Joseph Smith. And when, when, when men think that way, they're perverted. That's all that their mind operates on the sensual, and there's nothing spiritual about them. It's all just absolute perversion. And that's all you need to know. Jehovah Witness. I have to do two hours of soul winning every week if I'm going to enter the eternal kingdom on this earth one day. Because Jesus Christ just paid for part of my sins. Across the street, Jesus Christ only paid for part of my sins, so I better give money, and I better go to Mass every day, and I better pray the rosary and confess my sins, all this to help me, because they don't, they're not resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ did for you. They, i got to do something. No, my friend, it's done. It's done. You enter into His rest. You know, we, we joked around years ago, we used to call people blister. Look at blister, here comes blister. And we called them blister because they always showed up after the work was done. You know, you, you, we get big dig in the ditch for the water line, and then the guy finally pulls up, all right, you guys need any help? No, we're pretty much done around here. Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't help you. Blister. You're a blister. You get that web wipe, because you get a blister on your hand from all the dig, and that's when the blister shows up when the work's all done. So we all know a blister, amen? We all know that one person in life that's just a blister. And you may be thinking of one right now. Yeah, I know that guy right now. Always, somehow, they come out of hiding. and, Well, can I, I don't want to say this bad, but my friend, and then, they, by the way, they enjoy the rewards of all that's done. You know, the boss, oh, we're going to take you all to lunch today. Go, you all work so hard. Yeah, you're like, they didn't do nothing. Get in the back of the line. Well, my friend, we enter into the rest of Jesus Christ. He paid for all of this for us. And we enter the, into the banquet room because he paid for it all. So, Jesus has lived a sin life. He secures righteousness for us. He's the ideal man. He's the perfect man. He is the God-man. And as such, he can become the perfect sacrifice for sin. And God would accept his sacrifice because it's the sacrifice of the perfect man, perfect ideal man, perfect God-man. This is the point. The blood of Jesus Christ, his cross, his death, declare him to be the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we see this 
And Matthew says, For this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Romans says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. I am saved from wrath. I am saved from the judgment, the white throne judgment of paying for my sins. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid those sin debt. At the end of verse number 6, he talks about the Holy Spirit of God. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. And by the way, if you pay attention and you count up between verse number 6 and verse number 11, nine times the word witness and record are mentioned. We're basically the same word. We have this witness, this record, this testimony. And, and who is the witness? Sometimes you can go to court and there would be a good witness or there can be a liar on the stand. We have a good witness, a secure witness, somebody who testifies what's right. We can have a good record or we can have a bad record. Somebody recorded something properly or they did not record it properly. This recorded record is true. It was written down properly. The witness of the Holy Spirit that declares Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. And that, my friend, is what the gospel is. God himself has sent his Son to the world to save man from sin and death and condemnation. Jesus is the carpenter from Nazareth, and who is actually the Son of God. And he lived a sinless life, perfect. Now, how do we know all these things? How do we know all these things about Jesus Christ? They're recorded in our Bible. How do we know about these things in our Bible? Because, my friend, your scriptures come from the Holy Spirit of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the, what? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God gave this book. So when you go on online or you talk, well, that Bible's written by man. Well, yes, God used men to write it down, but these men were, the Spirit of God gave the record. It's not necessarily John's revelation or Paul's revelation, but as, as the Spirit, they, these men lived it, but God spoke through them. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so we have to believe, and we know it to be true, that this book has been recorded and given to us by the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one who bears record. That's why we can know who Jesus Christ is, because this book has been given to us by the Holy Spirit of God, who is found in the second verse of your Bible, moving upon the face of the water. And we know that the Bible says that the Spirit of God is the what? The Spirit of truth in verse number 6. The Bible's true because it was given to us by the Spirit of truth. So men come along and say, well, I don't like that part in the Bible. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It's still truth. It's still truth. Whether we believe it or not, it's still truth. He bears witness because he is truth. He can do nothing else but declare truth. Jesus Christ is the Son of God sent into the world to save men. Therefore, the Spirit of God must declare the truth. That's what Christ did, so the Spirit of God declares it. And anybody who has any idea of God, any inkling of God, any thought from God, any revelation that men have of God, where'd they get it from? They got it from this book. And if they went perverted on it, it's because they went perverted. But it all starts, they, they found something in this book. Any idea of Jesus Christ comes from this book. Any thought about God comes from this book. This is God's revelation to us. The Father testified to the Son through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, who is truth. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. 
and that he is true. And therefore, the source of the revealer is divine truth. You say, Pastor, this is kind of redundant. What are you trying to... It's all in preparation for what I have to say next, which I can't get to today, because it's very important. You cannot let people take things away from you in the name of education or whatever else words they want to use. You let nobody take one word. Jesus said not one jot or one tittle shall pass away to all things. What's a jot and what's a tittle? The jot and tittle is simply, my friend, the dotting of the I and the crossing of the T. That's how serious God takes his word. Even the dot on top of the I is important to Almighty God. And so when somebody comes along and says, well, that verse doesn't belong there. That word doesn't belong there. Well, who are you to tell me that this preserved book, that that is, doesn't belong there? And most of these guys, by the way, repeat what somebody else told them. Some other liar told them, and these lies keep going down the line. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus for ministry. Now, again, Jesus Christ did his ministry. Even though he's God, he did his ministry as man in the power of the Holy Spirit of God as a lesson for us on how we're to conduct our life. Our life is to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I can't do this work in the flesh. I can't convict men of sin and see people saved. The Holy Spirit of God has to do that work. All I can do is speak and hope somebody pays attention and the Spirit of God is working on their heart. And by the way, I can preach and, and somebody say, the Lord spoke to my heart about something and it has nothing to do with what I even preached about. It's like, I guess that's God. And uh, God was doing something while I'm over here in the left field. God was doing something in right field. That's, well, praise God. So again, we have this witness, this witness. And when we say the Bible is not true or that Jesus is not the Christ or Jesus did not pay for our sin, what we're saying is that the, the witness, who is the Holy Spirit of God, is lying. Or he's not telling us the whole truth. That's wrong. That's wrong. This is truth. All of it. And to deny any of it, your soul is hanging in the balance here. Now again, verse 7, we'll, I'll just read it we'll close out. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That's a good verse. That's a Bible verse. I like that verse. But you may have a Bible that doesn't have that verse. Or you may have a Bible that's somewhere in the notes that it may say, somewhere in older manuscripts, this verse is not found, and therefore we think it was added later by some translator along the line, blah, 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 blah. To put it in theological terms, to be very highly educated, that's hogwash. It's hogwash. And we'll find out why next time why this verse belongs in your Bible. And anybody who says this verse does not belong in your Bible is deceived. We'll spend a lot of time on that in the next message on this. But my friend, so again, if you have that note in your Bible, just scratch it out or say, I, sometimes I'd have one of those Bibles that have note Bibles in it. And I would highlight that note and next to it I would put wrong, <laughs> false, so people would know that I didn't believe that lie. Nothing wrong with, and don't believe the notes in your Bible. Just your Bible's inspired, not the notes. Schofield did not walk on water. Charles Ryrie did not walk on water. Any of that, that's why, I, and again, I'm not against, study Bibles can be good, but they can be dangerous. I just use a simple Bible that's got some uh, 
references in it, but no notes. I just kind of, I got away from that as I got an older Christian and just say, you know, I'll just stick with the Bible and, 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 and lean upon that instead of listening to what some guy had to say 100 years ago, how the gap theory and all this other nonsense is true. And that, nah, I just, I don't need that nonsense. It's just, just me and the Lord walking through this book, and I think that's what I need personally. So again, if you have a note Bible, I'm not telling you to burn it and throw it away. I'm just simply saying, be careful of notes. Those are men. And if you have a page where there's more notes than there's Bible, I always just think, what, this guy's writing more Bible than there's Bible. And so be careful with that as well. Nothing wrong with walking out and saying, Jesus, <laughs> it's just you and me through the word today. So again, to simply put, John is declaring who Christ is, the person of Christ, and the witness of the Spirit of God how we can be saved and know we're saved, and the declaration of his ministry. Let's stand together for prayer. Our Lord and our God, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Jesus Christ who loved us. Thank you that you came to take away our sins. All of our sins have been paid for and nailed to Calvary's cross. The laws have been fulfilled Sin has been paid.